Good morning, church. Good to see you. Happy Mother's Day. So glad. Are you guys glad to have Danny here with us today? Been just a blessing to have Danny. And Casey, we want to welcome you today. Continue to pray with us as we seek God's perfect will regarding our worship pastor situation. And I'm not so uncertain that Danny maybe is not a long-lost Duck Dynasty brother. I'm just wondering about that. That's a possibility. Maybe. All right. All right. See, I like him even more. All right. Good to see you guys. We want to welcome you. If, uh, if, if you are a guest here with us today, thank you for being here with us in our second service. Happy Mother's Day to our moms, to our grandmoms, great-grandmoms. I know we have those here at EVC. And so we're just so blessed to have you. And I just, I get this opportunity as a, as a pastor occasionally just to be able to say how thankful and doubly blessed I am to not only get to be a pastor to my wife, but this is uh, just kind of an unusual thing. I'm also a pastor to my mom. My mom is a part of our church. She was here in the first service, and I've just been a blessed man, and I know that that not everyone can say that they've been blessed in this way, that the Lord has blessed me. I don't take this for granted. My mother, uh, for most of my life, has been someone that has passionately pursued Christ. My mom is the one that taught me what it means not to have religion and to live just religiously. My mother taught me what it means and has taught me what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. She taught me that. That's, that's one of the, really one of the foundations of my life, which has become a foundation of our church. That came from my mom teaching me that and showing me that. And so I'm so grateful that she lived with integrity and still does today and that she lets me be her pastor today, which that's interesting, I'll just say, okay? And not only that, I'm doubly blessed. My wife also is an incredible mother and uh, she's serving back in the back today and I'm so thankful for her. She's an incredible wife, but just an, an awesome mother to my uh, to to our kids our two children and, and 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 as long as we have been married has also just demonstrated and has set an example in our home not only for me just of following Jesus but also for our kids our kids I'm blessed I realize this I'm blessed because my kids I realize my kids are growing up seeing a mother that also pursues God and loves God. And you say, well, why do you get to talk about your mom and your wife up there? Because I'm the pastor. That's why. That's what I get to do when you're a pastor. It's the perk of being a pastor. You get to brag on your mom and your wife on Mother's Day. So we've been in this series called Moses, and we've been talking about how he's a common man who's lived an extraordinary life. And we're going to continue in the series. We're going to be more in depth in the series next week. And I'm loving this series on Moses because what we discover is this, is we discover that Moses was very common in a lot of the things that we relate to. Common in in just issues that he had and issues that he struggled with, like his anger, his impatience, and 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 you know things like that. His control issues. We uh, we've been studying his life, and in the first week, we really looked at the legacy that his parents ingrained within him, which set him up to be a great leader later on. Now he he went through a period in the wilderness, as you know, but I'm fully convinced that his his mother, uh, Jochebed, uh, ingrained these truths of Scripture um, and what it meant to follow uh, Yahweh in, in, in her life. She set that example in his life. And, uh, and so we're not really going to go in that direction today because we really exhausted that, that, that subject a few weeks ago. But what we're, where we're at in the, in the story is that Moses um, has led the children of Israel out into the wilderness And they're going through wilderness experiences. And we've talked about living in the wilderness, that Moses lived most of his life where? In the wilderness. 
and, um, and, and at one point running from, from his destiny and running from God, and then the next point embracing his destiny and embracing God when he had a burning bush experience and moving forward from that. What we find out very quickly in the story is that the people of Israel that he's leading, that they are an unruly bunch, that they are, are very quick to turn on Moses. They'll turn on him in a dime. They're given as illustrations for us what human nature is really like. We're the same way. We can become very unappreciative of those within our own lives. We can become unappreciative of what God has done in our life as we watch them do that in their Red Sea experience. And we watch them do that just three days after the Red Sea experience and this great miracle God worked. What were they doing in three days? Grumbling and complaining. Right. And we so we were learning from this. We're seeing that that God was taking them through the wilderness, preparing them for this. And so we're going to continue in Moses in these coming weeks and and looking at his life story and different things that we can relate to because there's so much to learn from. But today we're going to look at something that Moses actually recorded. We're going to get more specific today. He actually recorded this in the book of Exodus. Moses authored the first five books of the Bible. And he was as he was inspired by God, God gave this word to him very clearly. God gave it to him very directly. So I guess you could say that it fits as a part of our series, but maybe more as a a sub-message to our series in honor of Mother's Day. Today we'll be dealing very specifically with one of the Ten Commandments. We're going to look at one of these today, and one of the things that we'll discover in the next few weeks is is that Jesus, when he came, Jesus said, I've not come to abolish the law or to do away with the law or to get rid of it. Jesus said very clearly, I've come to be the fulfillment of the law. I've come to fulfill this and to point people to God through this. And so these ideas of the Ten Commandments are principles that we should still continue to live by. They're not obsolete because of Christ. They're the fulfillment in Christ. And so let me be really clear about this. We follow the Ten Commandments and the principles of the commandments that have been given for us as principles to live by. Let me be really clear, not in order that we follow these to get to heaven. Because Galatians and the book and the whole counsel of God, the book of Romans is very clear that we are not saved by our ability to keep the law. Whether you believe this or not, you've broken the law and one of the Ten Commandments at one time or another. And if you say that you haven't, you just lied. So you just did. Okay, here's the deal. You have. And by breaking one, you're a lawbreaker. Not just how I mean, one makes you a lawbreaker. And so therefore, you can't work your way to God by keeping the commandments perfectly. What they were given for, and we'll talk about more in the coming weeks, is they were given to be guidelines for your life. They were given to set you up for living a good life, uh, the best life possible that you can live. Because when you choose to go against these principles, you choose to go against these truths, you're going to find your life is going to be a whole lot more difficult. When you choose to go against these truths that we find in the scripture, these, these commandments were given not because God wants to make your life miserable. They were given to protect you. They were given to guide you. They were given to be boundaries that we all need within our lives and directions to live by to point us. They were really given to point us to Christ. Why? So that there, our lives can be actually the abundant life that Jesus said he came to give us. So as Israel is being prepared to enter into the promised land, God's going to give Moses the big 10 and he's going to give them to him. And he's going to say, I want you to deliver them and say, this is from me written by the very finger of God. And, and he's going to, to tell them this, that you're to follow these as foundational. 
And now the, the foundation here, what we find is that it starts by how we relate to God. How we relate to God. The first four are in our relationship with God. That's why he says, you shall honor God above all else and, and have no other gods before me. The remaining six of these Ten Commandments shows how we are to relate to our fellow man. How we are to relate to one another. So the commandment that God gave Moses on Mount Sinai to give to the people of Israel. As they're preparing to go into the promised land. He says you need to drive this home within them and prepare them. They need to live and abide by this. And here's what one of these is. And I want to ask you to read it out loud with me. Uh, If we can all participate today. Here's what the word of God says in Exodus chapter 20. Say it with me. This is what we are to live by. We are to honor your, your father and your mother. That your days may be long in the land. And that the Lord your God is giving you. That the Lord your God is giving you. We are called to do what church? To honor our parents. We're called to show honor to them. What's interesting to me about this is before God gets into the other components of relationships, big ones like, hey, don't lie. Hey, don't steal. Uh, Don't kill. That would be a bad part of a relationship there, okay? Hey, don't do these things here. You know what he's going to say is this bridge between your relationship and putting God first in your life and all of this, which is the foundation above everything else. This bridge commandment is showing honor to your mother and father. And it's interesting to me how that comes up before he ever gets into do not lie, steal, kill, uh, covet, all of these different things there. He's going to say you need to show honor to your parents. It starts by honoring your father and your mother. And there are questions that I know that come to to mind as we consider this commandment. And I want to point some things out to you. I'm going to give you a lot of notes today. I urge you to write some things down and to ponder them and to consider them and think about them. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you from his word today as we worship in this way. And I want you to notice right off here, there's no time limit. There's no age limit. There's no expiration date on this commandment. It doesn't end when you, when you move out of the home that you no longer are to honor your mother and father. It doesn't end. Now, what we're going to talk about today is how that honor begins to shift and what that honor actually looks like. How it changes in the seasons of our lives. But there's no expiration date. You may be 55, 65 years old and have a parent that is is very aged and and maybe they're 85, 95, something like that. They're in that type of their life. You're still called to show honor to your parents. It doesn't expire. But the question comes up for me as I was studying this this week and really feeling led to cover this with you today is the first question is, why would God need to give a commandment like this? Why did God need to make this actually a commandment to us? That's the first question to consider. And if you're taking some notes, the first thing to write down is this, is that he gave this to a, as a commandment to us is, is because there are no perfect parents. You're not a perfect parent if you are a parent, and your parents were not perfect, as you know. You know that, especially as you're getting older, we realize that more and more. All of us, we have weaknesses and faults, and we all have flaws and inconsistencies and mistakes, and we've all fouled up in our parenting. We've all fouled up in different ways. Only God is the perfect parent, and God has given us this command because He recognized the fact that we are flawed. Therefore, we need a commandment to honor them in spite of their flaws. It's not about the way that you feel, okay? Because there are times when you feel like lying and it's beneficial for you to lie in a situation that God says, don't do it. 
You may, when you're driving in traffic, feel like murdering somebody, okay? Just saying. I exaggerate there in some cases. Okay, but here's the sense. God says you need something that transcends your feelings, amen? You need something that is an authority that goes beyond just the way that you feel. We don't live by our feelings. We must live by our commitments and God's commandments. And so God says there are going to be times because your parents are flawed because of their weaknesses. You're not going to feel like giving them honor. Therefore, God says, I'm commanding you to honor them. I command you to show honor to them is what he's saying. And I have to tell you, I feel like I'm a pretty good dad. I try to be the best dad that I can be. But I know this and I am flawed as a parent. And even this week, I blew it. Some of you probably blew it with me in your parenting this week, but I blew it. I blew it this week. My son is an incredible kid. He's 16 years old. Um, and for a teenager, he's about the, the least mouthiest kid I think I've been around. I mean, he's certainly not what I was like. I was a lot more mouthier than he was at this age in his life. And he's just a great kid, great kid. But he's also a sinner. I'll let you know that. He'll be in the next service and I will call him a sinner. He knows he's a sinner. Okay. He's a sinner just as I am a sinner. We're sinners. We're flawed. We're, we're a flawed family. We're not a perfect family. And I had a chore for him to do this week, and he was doing that chore, and he was taking a glass lid to a, a pot, and Luke is all on 16-year-old boy. He could not get it to fit in the door, so rather than rearranging the pots, he's doing this, trying to get it in there. I'm walking over. I'm like, what are you doing? If you would do that, you know, and so I'm trying to instruct him. And I was kind of good at that point. I was coming in my instruction for a moment. And he rarely does this. He got a little mouthy with me. And he's like, I'm doing it this way or whatever. I'm like, you did not just talk to me. And I'm just telling you right then it was on. Now, my response in correction was right. The way I responded was oh so wrong. Let me just say, because I, I did not say pleasant words to him at that point. It is my responsibility to correct him in a better way than what I did. And I realized it and the Holy Spirit fell upon me in conviction of uh, not immediately because it felt good to say what I said at that point. But about about 10 minutes later, the Holy Spirit and my wife also looking at me with those Holy Spirit eyes <laughs> who witnessed it all because something about his head being knocked off his shoulders came up or something like that. Um, I was like faced with a dilemma of pride and I just decided, you know what? I need to tell this boy, I'm sorry. And I went to him and I said, you were wrong in what you were doing and you know, you were wrong in your response. And he says, yes, sir, I do. And that's how he responds to me. He's a great kid. Yes, sir. That's what he says. I was, I said, but let me tell you something equally. I was wrong in the way I responded to you. We blow it, Right. I asked him to forgive me. He forgave me. We forgive each other. That's, that's another because we're flawed. We have to have a foundation of forgiveness in our homes. Amen? We have to have that. And so that happened in my, in my home this week, and God was giving me a good illustration of how warped we really are, right? Okay? You're not a perfect parent. Your parents were not perfect. Your parents need grace. Grace is, is when you give something that they do not deserve, we get something from God that we certainly do not deserve. It's his grace. Amen. We get that from him. And the fact of the matter is, is that I would even go so far as to say that there are many parents who are unworthy of honor by their behaviors. 
who don't live honorably towards their kids. But, but, but again, grace is, is something that you get uh, by God's grace. It's, it's not something you are deserved. And in some cases, and I know it's painful for me to even bring this up, they may have even been abusive or manipulative or neglectful or something in the, along those lines. You're saying, so what is God telling me to do in a circumstance like that? Am I supposed to ignore the pain? Am I supposed to put on a happy face and pretend that everything is great? That's not what we're saying today. So please don't misunderstand me, and I don't mean to compound your pain. But God is saying, I want you to honor the position of parenthood, even if the personality behind it is flawed. The position. We'll talk about that more. How God sets things up with an umbrella of authority for a reason. God sets things up with roles. And so why? Because our parents are flawed. Here's another thing if you're taking notes. We need, God gave us his commandment because he knows this, that respect for authority begins at home. It begins at home. The way that you're going to interact with other authorities out in, in the community and, and, the, and other authorities, it's, it's critical that every child must learn uh, respect begins at home. It determines how well you're going to set yourself up for success in your life. That's why, and I'm speaking mostly to parents here today, it's imperative that you demand respect within your home. I'm going to tell you that. It's important that you're teaching your children to respect the position of authority that God has given you. Because it's, your, your, it's not just about you and an ego trip. That's why I demand that my son says yes, sir, and no, sir. I don't have to demand it anymore. It's become habit for him, a habit that I'm glad that he has. Because I notice him doing that with other people, and I don't have to tell him to do it. And, and, and I notice other people going, wow. That kid says, yes, sir, no, sir. You know, we hear a lot of kids doing that today. And I'm like, I've been teaching him that from the get-go, okay? And that's something that I know this because my dad taught me from the get-go, is that respect begins at home. When you go to a judge and you say, your honor, you're not necessarily making a value judgment about that person's character. That guy may actually be a jerk. You're saying your honor because you show respect for the position, and God says he put, has put placed parents in a place of position, an umbrella of authority over you in your early age to teach you respect. And you know why God's done that? It's because he wants you to live a successful, abundant life. And when you don't know how to respect authority in some way, you're going to have a lot of trouble in your life. A kid that grows up saying, I will never have anybody ever tell me what to do. I will never have anybody tell me what to do. That is a kid that is headed for a path of destruction. So he says, I'm going into the army. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Right? Welcome to life. Right? I mean, we all, you all know, you don't, you don't even like to submit to some authority, but at some place you have to learn submission. It's life. And God is setting that up for us. Why has God given us this commandment? Here's another reason. Because how I relate to my parents will affect every other relationship. It's the major form fact, uh, forming factor in your life. Your style of relating is, is set up at home. Even today as a grown-up, when you act out in certain ways, and this often manifests itself in, in, in the marital relationship, and you can't quite figure out your behavior, and you do certain things, many times it's because you're still reacting to your parents and you don't even realize that 
because that's what was modeled for you and that's what you saw. Many marriages, I'm telling you this, many marriages have absolutely been ruined because a spouse has never learned to resolve a relationship with a parent and they oftentimes will take it out on a husband or they will take it out on a wife. They've never learned to work through that and process that. And, And God wants us to honor our parents to begin to teach us how to relate to others because he knows that it affects us later on in life. It does. So there's some quick reasons of why God gave the commandment, but let's dig a little deeper. Let's peel the onion back a little more. So what exactly does it mean to honor my parents? What does it look like to do that? As we begin to look at this particular command, I think it's important that we know what this word means. What does it mean to honor? Uh, You know, and and there are different ways of honoring. We we often use words that, and we fail to understand their meaning. And I want us to look at what it means to honor someone and then also how we might honor our parents at different stages in our lives because there's different ways we honor at different seasons of life. So if you're taking some notes, the first thing I'd write down here is honor is something that is very personal. It's something that you give person to person. All right. It's something that you actually have the power to withhold and you have the power to give this. It's very personal. Um, There may be times, however, when a thing or a place appears to be honored, like Moses honoring the place where the burning bush was. You know, part of that story, we talked about it, and God said, take your shoes off, the place you're standing on is what? Holy ground. Was it that the place was holy because it was holy in and of itself? Why was it holy? It was holy because of the person of God. It's personal. It's something that happens person to person. It's something you give another person and can receive another person. Here's another thing that honor is to be and what it is. It's preferential. What I mean by this is is that uh, this means that our parents are to be a priority in our lives depending upon what stage you are in your life. It changes at different stages. But they are to be a priority in your life. This is a tough one for many because we never seem like in our society we want to give preference to anyone over anyone else. We don't want to offend somebody. So we believe that we should treat everybody exactly the same. And we make blanket statements like that. But the fact is, is we should give certain people preferential treatment in our lives. There are certain persons that we should give this to. And what God is saying is is that your parents should be on a list of priorities in your life. If if you have parents that are still living, or, or even I would say this, and I know that we have a number who have parents that have passed and have gone on, and, and you're dealing with some of that, there are still things you take today and you still bring honor to them by the way that you live your life. We'll talk about that in a second. But these priorities shift as God told us this. We honor them through our obedience as a child. We honor them whenever we begin to grow up. The the Word of God says that it says a man should leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And and, and so what happens at that point is, is you come out from under that umbrella of authority. And now you're still under the umbrella of authority of God. But but you're not necessarily in the place of obedience. There's a different way to honor. We'll talk about that. Okay, but now you are an umbrella of authority within your home under the umbrella of God's authority, right? Your parents, God's teaching us, it should be somewhere on that list and give preference in some regards to our parents. We're called to honor our parents by giving them preference over other people that may be a part of our life and may be good people, but this is your family. So it's personal, it's preferential. If you're taking notes, here's something else about it. It's positional. 
It's positional. We honor a person solely because of the position that they occupy. As Americans, no matter what party uh, uh, politically you are affiliated with or not affiliated with, we talked about this last year when we, when we were doing our series, uh, One Nation Under God. We talked about the fact whether you agree with the principles of our president or not, we are still, as Christians, we are called to give honor to the position. You may not agree with anything that he says, but God says out of respect for who God is, we still honor the position of the presidency. Because it's a position that, that we find, as we'll read here in First Peter, that uh, has been ordained by God. It's a place of authority. Peter talks about this in First Peter chapter 2, verse 12 and 15. He talks about those who are in places of authority over us. Peter tells us, and I want you to notice as we read this, really watch, church. Really watch for the motives of the honor, okay? Watch for what the motives are. Look at what he says in chapter 2, verse 12. You need to know he's writing to a church that is severely persecuted by their emperor, who is the Roman emperor who's not a believer, who hates them, who's even seeking to persecute them. But look at what he still says to do. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving, who? Your unbelieving neighbors. In other words, what's being said here is, I don't know if you know this church, but people are watching you. They're watching you as a believer. They're watching you as a Christian. They're watching your behavior. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see, say it with me, church, they will see your what? Your honorable behavior. And they will give honor to God when he judges the world. In other words, you've got to trust that God's going to be the one to bring judgment. That's not your job. God's, that's God's job there. And so what he says in verse 13, and I want you to say the next four words with me because this is really key. For the Lord's sake. Say it with me again. For the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake. Respect all human authority. Whether the king as head of state or the officials that he has appointed. Verse 15. It is God's will that, look again, that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations uh, against you. Verse 17, I want to ask you to read it with me out loud. Say verse 17, respect everyone and love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God and do what? Respect the king. Now remember, Peter's written this to a group of people that are being severely mistreated by this king. But Peter is saying, silence those that would dishonor Christ. For the sake of Christ, you show honor for the position. You show honor for the position and for the Lord's sake, Peter says, respect all human and honor all human authority. It's something to think about with this scripture that the way that you treat your parents, the way that you show honor or dishonor to your parents is either pointing people to Christ or it's pushing them away. The way that you treat other people, and let's just not say we're even talking about your parents, is either pointing people to Christ or you're pushing them away. So the question you need to ask is, what does my honor look like towards my parents? If you're a believer, it's critical that, that you treat people in an honorable and respectful manner because people are watching you. Peter said, fear God, show honor to those in ordained places of authority. Uh, he says, you have to know this, that the emperor, he's saying the emperor of Rome mistreats us, but we will be honorable. We will be honorable to those positions. So we see that this is what it is. It's personal, it's preferential, it's positional. If you're taking notes, this is really critical too. It's very practical. 
And what I mean by practical today is it's not lip service. Anybody sitting in here today or in any of the services today can say, well, I show honor to my parents. I honor them. Here's what I want to ask you, but do you live it? Because anybody can pay lip service to that. Do you live it out? Is it really uh, something that you find is a, is a way that you live, not just something that you say? This was a problem that many people in Isaiah's time in the Old Testament, they had with God and God called them out for their hypocrisy in them saying that they honored him, but they lived a different kind of life. Look at what he says in Isaiah 29. The Lord rebukes them. And so the Lord says this, these people, what does he say? They say they are mine. They honor me with their what church? They honor me with their lips. But what does he say? But their hearts, they are really far away from me. He's saying it's, there's no congruency here. It doesn't match up. He's saying right here, it has to be practical. What this means in the relationship with your parents is that it needs to be visible, not just some flattery with no meaning behind it, your heart being in it. When your heart is in it, and what is the motive of your heart being in it? For the Lord's sake, amen? That's what has to be. It has to be that because our parents are flawed. Our motive is for our perfect, godly, heavenly father. So this is what honor means. This is what it looks like. We've talked about why he gave it to us. And here's kind of, these are great principles. And here's, here's what this is going to begin to look like. Here is your practical application. This is what you walk out of here with today. Not just coming here to, just for me to give you information overload. This is what you can do in response to what we're talking about today. You don't have to wait till tomorrow. You don't have to pray about this. This is what you need to do. Here's what it looks like. How do I honor my parents? It depends on what stage or season in life you're currently in. It's going to look different at different stages of your life. So let's start with the most natural progression here. Giving honor whenever I'm young or whenever, let's say this, I'm still living within my parents' household. I'm still living there as a young person within my parents' household. I won't put a time limit on this, but, but here's what it says. It comes through my, everybody say it, it comes through my obedience. My obedience. This is one stage of showing honor. Paul's going to link this in Ephesians chapter 6 when he's talking about how children and parents are to relate to one another. He, he says this. Now notice that in the Ten Commandments there, in the commandment, it doesn't say children honor your mother and father. It doesn't say that. What does it say? It just says honor your mother and father. Now, Paul, as he's talking about these, these umbrellas of, of, of roles and umbrellas of authority, Paul's going to say as he gets to what your Christian lifestyle is to look like, he's going to address children. And he's going to say very specifically, children, here's how you live that out. You honor your mom and dad by obeying them. That's why it's important that you, that you command obedience to your kids because you're teaching them and you're setting them up for for keeping one of these commandments. That you demand that. That you command that, that, that obedience is something that is to be complied by here. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is, what does he say? Right. It's right. And now he's going to quote 
this commandment in Exodus chapter 20. He's going to say, That's, here's what you're to do. Here's what that is. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, he says. There's a commandment that goes with this, a promise that goes with this commandment. Verse 3, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. He's still quoting Exodus. In other words, he's saying when you are training your kids up to be obedient in this sense, you're setting them up for success. Because they're learning respect in the home. He says that it may go well with you and that you may live long. I was thinking about that. There's a lot of truth in that. And I think about my dad, okay? And that you want things to go well for you? Do you want to continue to live? You will obey me, okay? That's, that was kind of the way. Here's what obedience looks like. Obedience is, is this. It's willfully. It's pleasantly. It's immediately. What we say in my home is this, and this is something I've had to drive home to my kids, is that it's, it's right away, it's all the way, and it's in a happy way. Does it mean that they're happy? No, but they better look like they are. <laughs> I give my kids things to do around the house because I'm trying to teach them responsibilities and to pitch in. We're a family. Well, one of the things, and again, I'm pulling rank right here, is they do duty, duty. Do you know what I mean? We have big dogs. They do duty, duty in the backyard. They hate it. I don't know why they wouldn't. Who wouldn't? Okay. But I noticed they were doing this and they were doing it with bad attitude. They were fighting with each other. You know, they knew better than to lip off to me about it because I would make them do more duty, duty. Okay. And, and, but I, I, and I found them fighting with each other and I'm like, no, you're dishonoring me by you not doing this in the right way. I know it's gross. I know you don't want to do this. Guess what? I had to do it. You're going to do it. You're going to have kids. You'll make them do it. It's a, that's the way it is, okay? Here's the thing, though. You're going to have a right attitude in doing this, or I'm going to have to discipline you because I want to teach you to do it right away. I, when I tell you to do it, it needs to be done right away. It's not, Dad, we'll get to it next week. It needs to be all the way. It's not we do a little bit of duty, duty, all right? There don't need to be little duties still out there. It needs, to be, it needs to be all the way, and it needs to be how? In a pleasant way. It doesn't mean they're happy about it, but it needs to be that they're doing it in the spirit of, of, of things are right, okay? Their attitude is right about it. That's what honoring my parents as a child looks like. That's obedience. As we mature, our circumstances change. We move out. We live on our own. Or we get married and we move out. How we give honor to our parents changes as well. And it's not necessarily as we're growing, it's not necessarily obeying their commands is the way to honor them anymore because life begins to change. It begins to change. Here's what this begins to look like. At marriage, we would now have other relationships that have a higher priority to that of our parents. And when that is not right, that causes all kinds of problems. Okay? Now your priorities shift in this way. God is always my top priority no matter what. Above all human relationships. That's what he says in the first of the commandments. You'll have no other gods before me. Don't make your spouse a god before me. Don't make your kids a god before me. He's number one. Amen? Right? That's how it's always to be. But now the, the, the relationships begin to change. The seasons begin to change. Now if you're a married person, your spouse becomes your second priority. Your kids become your third priority. Your immediate family your parents move down a little bit, but they're still on the list. Amen. They're still on the list. Now, here's what this begins to look like. This is where many of us are at today. If you're taking notes, giving honor as a, as I mature, as I'm growing into adulthood comes through this. It comes through my acceptance and it comes through appreciation. It comes through my acceptance and my appreciation. And what I mean by this is as you get older, 
you start getting savvy to what the fact that your parents are flawed. As you get older, you start realizing that they do have hang-ups, that they're not perfect. And maybe they're not the superheroes that when you're a little child that you really believe that they are. And this is when it becomes important for you to accept them in spite of their weaknesses. To accept them in spite of their weaknesses in the same manner that God accepts you in spite of your weaknesses and your flaws. That's grace. Why should I choose to accept my parents? You say, I didn't even have a choice in who my parents were, you know, or who they are. Well, did you think about this? They didn't necessarily have a choice in who you are either. So you're stuck together. That's why acceptance is vital. Doesn't mean you agree on everything. You're not going to. But it is vital that you at least learn to accept one another. Acceptance doesn't mean pretending that they were perfect because they're not and they they were not. It doesn't mean ignoring their mistakes. It doesn't mean sweeping that under the rug. It doesn't mean agreeing with all that they did or agreeing with all that they asked you to do. But here's what it does mean. Acceptance means this. This isn't in your notes up on the screen, but this is something good to write down. It means this. Acceptance is realizing that God did in his sovereignty use them to bring you into this world. And we can't answer why God chose them specifically for you. But at some point in your life, as a, as a believer, you have to say, God, you're sovereign over everything. And I trust that even your selection of who my parents are was in your sovereign will, even if they were not good parents. I trust who you are, God. They gave you life. They gave you something that no one else through God's sovereignty could have given to you. God chose to use them to bring you into the world. And acceptance means that. There, here's what acceptance also means. It means listening to what they have to say. It means having a willingness to listen. When you're out on your own, you're not bound by their advice, but you don't despise them for it. You don't despise them for it. Look at Proverbs 23. I want to ask you to read this with me out loud. Proverbs, as we studied, was given to us to help make our lives better, right? Amen? Okay, look at what it says to do. Listen. Say it with me. Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. He's saying it's wise to at least listen. You're not bound to do everything they tell you to do. As you get older, obedience now just shifts into acceptance. It's not that you're bound to obey them when you move out from underneath that umbrella of authority. You listen to them. You pay the courtesy of listening to them. You don't tune them out. That's part of acceptance. You can even disagree without being disagreeable. You don't have to make it into a big fight. You say, well, they do. Well, don't don't buy into that. Just you continue to be honorable in the way that you live out of respect for God. Here's the thing. As I'm getting older, and again, my mom and dad are in this church, and they're not, they were in the first service, but I would say this. uh, Here's the deal. As they're getting older, here's what I'm realizing. Mom and dad knew a whole lot more and know a whole lot more than what I really thought they did as I'm getting older. And I'm having to go back on a number of occasions, and my dad doesn't say anything, my mom doesn't say anything, but when they see when we're going through stuff with our kids, he just smiles. And I'm like, I know what you're smiling about. He's like, I got nothing to say, you know. And I'm like, oh, that's a first on that one, okay. (laughs) Listen to your father who gave you life. Today it's not so popular to honor your parents as it is in therapy to blame them for everything, which makes this very important. Acceptance means this, forgiving when necessary. 
you live with anybody for a certain amount of time, I don't care who it is, forgiveness better be a part of your lifestyle because you're going to hurt each other. We're flawed. We're all dysfunctional. We're all affected by sin. So forgiveness, a fact of life, is often uh, this, that we hurt those we love the most intentionally and unintentionally. Today, it's, again, we want to blame all, everything in our lives on everyone else. And this often pro- is projected on our parents. I'm not saying they didn't play a role, but you have a choice in how you're going to live your life today. Proverbs 20.20 20 says this, If one curses his father or his mother... His lamp will be put out in utter darkness. Whoa, what's that about? Let me talk to you about that real quick. What this means for you in this is if you choose, and it's a choice, if you choose to live with a bitterness in your heart toward anyone, most specifically your mom or your dad, you are choosing a pattern of behavior for yourself that is self-destructive. You're hurting yourself. Oftentimes, People still live in bitterness even when their parents are deceased and they still have this bitterness that's unresolved and they don't resolve it and they don't deal with it and you're ruining your life and it's a choice that you make. It always hurts you more than the person you're bitter against. Have you ever considered that oftentimes God commands us to forgive others because he wants you to live a good life and he knows that you as a believer cannot Enjoy his joy that transcends your circumstances if you're living in bitterness. He knows you cannot live, as Paul talks about, the peace that passes all human understanding in the midst of your circumstances if you're bitter. Have you ever thought that maybe forgiveness is more for you than it is for them? Forgiveness, God knows what the solution is to bitterness. It's, it's forgiving when necessary. He says, when you're living a bitter life, you're snuffing out your own lamp. The question often comes up when we talk about honoring our parents and we talk about the flaws of our parents. Does God want you to honor their sins and their weaknesses and the things that they did wrong to me? That's not what we're saying today, but he is saying part of acceptance is recognizing that in his sovereignty, he used them. You You might could ask him one day when you're there with him, okay? You may never get that answer this side of heaven. But God is sovereign, isn't he? And do you believe that he's all good, that he's good in all things? Yes, he is. And we don't always see it, but he is. That's a faith thing right there. And I choose that. It's easy as we look at this to begin to take our parents for granted. You honor your parents and you forgive them for the wrong that they maybe did in your life. And you choose to focus on the right. God says, I'm not only to accept them, but and the good and the ugly and the things like that, I not only accept them, but I'm also to appreciate them. It's easy to begin to take those in our life for granted. We talked about it last week and the week before in Moses and that story. We talked about this. We take people in our lives for granted. Some of you, you had super parents, and it's easy for you to appreciate them. I'm going to tell you, God bless me. I don't take this for granted. I have great parents. So you did not have that blessing, um, and, and I feel bad for you because I know that it's been hard in your life. And, but here's the deal. For some of you, it's a little more difficult to appreciate them, but I would suggest that there are at least a few things that you can appreciate about them. You can appreciate this, their effort, because parenting's hard. Amen? It's tough. It, you can appreciate their effort 
Parenting's tough. It's an energy-draining job. As a parent of two kids, I have a new appreciation as the weeks go by of what they endured with myself and my sister, okay? More me than Lauren, okay? But here's the deal. It takes an incredible energy just to corral them, to begin to teach them, to begin to train them, to, to begin to do all the things. Just the taxi service alone deserves some appreciation. Amen, right? Okay, because it's blowing me away right now. I'm like, I spend my life driving them places. That's it. Okay, here's another thing you can appreciate their sacrifice. Not only is it difficult, um, I know you know this, it's expensive, right? I did a little research this week. Here's the latest statistic that's out regarding how much raising a child, this will kind of even depress you a little bit, I'm just saying, what it costs. Here's the average expense in raising a child in our world in which we live. Most recently, just bringing a kid up, uh, this doesn't include college, this just comes through high school years. Are you ready for the figure? Here's what the average is per child. $300,000 per child. I was looking at Luke like, you know how much you're costing me. Um, but that's the thing we need to think of is they're sacrificed. And, and I joke about that, but there is sacrifice. You know, parents will often sacrifice many things because of their children. So we appreciate that. Here's the third thing that I would say about appreciation is you appreciate them by choosing to live righteously. And what I mean by living righteously, look at Proverbs 23, verse 24 says this, the father of the righteous will do what? He will greatly rejoice. Why is he greatly rejoicing? Because he has a son that's choosing wisdom. He has a son that's living rightly, living righteously in the way that he responds and he reacts to the world around him and the world in which he lives. You know this as a parent, it blesses your heart when your kids make good choices, amen? It brings honor to you when you see them make choices that you didn't have to make them make that they just do it because you've been training them up and you're blessed by that. Well, by living righteously, you bring honor to your parents at this point in your life. He who uh, fathers a wise son will be what? Will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. That's what he's saying. That woman gave you birth. You better live right. That's what he's saying right here, okay? How do you make her happy and rejoice? By making good God-honoring decisions. By recognizing this, the decisions that you make represent the family in which you've been born into. How you live your life is a reflection upon them. And so when you live your life dishonorably and you make bad, sinful choices, you're dishonoring your mom and your dad. But when you live righteously, it brings honor to their name. It brings honor to them. Those of you with deceased parents, you continue bringing honor to their name by your life. And here's something else I would say, and by speaking well of them. By speaking well. Even if there were not very many things that you could speak well of, you find the things that you could speak well of and you honor them. This is the way that you honor them. Moses wrote to the whole group of Israelites. He told them this, uh, that the best way for you to deeply honor your parents is to love God with all of your heart. Look at what he says in Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, he says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Live them. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house. It's, it's not just talk. It's 
life. And when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up, it's just life in your home. And the way that you honor them, parents, is you're bringing them up in that manner. The way that they honor you is whenever they live that way, right? That's what is being said. Here's the last thing. Okay, got to quit. Giving honor as an adult and a maturing adult comes through affirmation and it comes through caring for them as they age. It comes through affirmation. In other words, I show honor by affirming them and then caring for them as they age. In other words, I don't abandon them. For many parents, growing older can mean less respect. All of their affirming friends maybe begin to die. And in some cases, they're no longer wanted in the marketplace for their skills and for their wisdom. Their grown children are busy with their own families. And so often they can lead very lonely lives. We have a number of very lonely older parents. Your parents have a great need and a desperate need to feel and to know that you made, that they made some kind of positive contribution in your life. They need your affirmation. Say, well, you know, and a lot of times they, they're, they're maybe too proud to hear stuff like that from you. But trust me, they're human. They need it. We all need someone to say, you did good. And I honor you for that. How do you do this? You affirm your parents by staying in touch with them. You affirm them, you know, by writing things to them, by telling them, you know, how you feel, by making that phone call, by consistently doing that. You're obeying the command to honor your parents when you stay in touch. To honor means this, to recognize the significance of. That's what it means. The Bible says we're to value and to treasure and to hold in highest esteem our aged parents. Proverbs 3.27 quickly says, Do not withhold good um, from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do the right thing while you still have time to do it. Send them flowers now, not when they're already deceased, right? The flowers that come at the funeral are more for you than they are for them. Take time now to be sure you say what you need to say now, not when they've passed along and you just say it at the eulogy then. Tell them now. That's showing honor. That's a sacrifice. The Bible says the way you treat your older elderly parents is a demonstration of your faith. First Timothy, Paul writes to the church here at Ephesus that Timothy was leading. But those, but those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household. All right. So he's talking about about immediate family here have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. That's a bold statement. He's saying, in essence, here, the Bible says this, that when your parents and your grandparents become too old to be cared for or to care for themselves, it's not the government's responsibility to care for them. It's ours. It's ours. This is the cycle of the family. God says, this is how I've set it up. And God, as you're going to read, God has said, it's pleasing to me. This may mean all kinds of different things. It may mean and caring for them in different stages in their elderly life. It may mean just changing the oil in their car when they need it. It may mean, it may mean inviting them into, into your home. It may mean hiring a nurse to care for those with special needs. It may, moving them, may mean moving them into a qualified, caring facility so that you honor them by being certain that they are cared for by those who are the best. I can't tell you what it is that you're supposed to do there. All I can say and all I know is this, is that it just says you are to care for them. And you're to make certain that that is happening. And it's only through the guidance of the Holy Spirit and you being in prayer about it that God can be the one to tell you how you are to do this. Many of you are already facing this with elderly parents. God says to honor them. Last scripture right here. First Timothy chapter 5 verse 3. This is what he says. 
take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her. Do you know who he's talking to there? The church. But look at what he says. But this is how it's supposed to be. But if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility, in other words, a priority in their life, is to show godliness at home and to repay their parents by taking care of them. Say the last part with me, church. This is what? This is something that what? Pleases God. It's what we're called to do. We're called to do it. We honor them. Now, I knew this today, going into this message, I knew today for some of you would be a very hard day. I knew for some of you this message would be a very hard message for you to hear. Because I know that some of you have been severely mistreated by your parents. Some of you had parents who hurt you deeply and you've been devastated by that. And I I don't want to just slough that off and pretend like that didn't happen. God saw that. God sees that. God loves you. God is adequate and sufficient for you. And I don't even have time to go into all of this today. But God wants you not to gloss it over. He's not asking you to deny the pain. He's not asking you to repress it or make excuses for them. Or or maybe their alcoholism or some other substance abuse or some other thing that was not good in your family. God doesn't want you to fake it. But let me tell you what he wants you to do. He wants you to face it. And he wants you to give it to him. And he wants you to experience a peace that only he can give you through that. For some of you, it may mean forgiveness that is not deserved. He wants you to deal with it. If you're still angry and you're still carrying things, God wants better for you. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me now. There's another group of you. Some of you, maybe you were abandoned by your parents, by one or by both. The Bible says this, for those of you who are abandoned by one or maybe both, that God says you are very special. You get special attention from God. In the scriptures, God says he he assumes responsibility for abandoned children. The psalmist wrote, my father and mother may abandon me, but the Lord will take care of me. So for those of you that are hurting this morning, you draw to him today. He wants you. He wants to bring healing. Do you know Jesus even paid for the sins of your mom and your dad? And he paid for your sins. And just as you need his grace, they need his grace too, amen? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. Bring your healing as only you can. We declare, Lord, in faith that you have paid for our sin. You've made us right with Christ through faith in him. You took your sin upon, our sin upon yourself, Lord. You were perfect and you were holy. And Lord, you transferred your righteousness to us and we didn't deserve it. If they've, There are those who have never trusted Christ, Lord. I pray your Holy Spirit would speak to them. You would draw them to yourself, that they would place their faith in you for their eternal life. We celebrate the fact that you have paid for all of it, all of our sin, and we're clean. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, and we're just going to sing this reprisal, and I want you to make this an act of worship to God today. And let's sing just quickly. Let's sing how Jesus paid for it. Worship him today in his holiness.